A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. The Record Book. Hello everybody and welcome along to Danny Kelly's Record Book podcast via the Game Day Network, you know all about that now. Um, And this is both a very happy and a very sad event. It is the last of the current run. Happy because after three shows, most people are muttering, not just behind their hands, but straight to my face, that's not going to last, that is not going to work. And yet here we are, sad because, of course, it is the final one as the domestic season is ending. And of course, that makes a slightly different one. We'll have our usual um, categories, hero, a villain, best performance and worst performance, but they'll be of the season. And because it is a special show, we've gone right to the very top of the tree um, with regards to my co-hosts, um, the two people who have made the most fantastic contributions, with all due respect to the rest of them, who have been uh, sometimes brilliant and otherwise quite mediocre, let's be honest about it. But these two have been absolutely on the money, up to 49% of the time, some people are saying. So it's a big welcome back, of course, to Tom Rennie. Hi, Tom. It's great to be back for the final Project Restart record book. This is it. <laughs> Thank you very much, The fans much are back indeed. for the next one. Joining him, um, comedian, football pundit, broadcaster, uh, TV star, all the rest of those things these days. I'd like to say it's a return for Mark Smith. Hello, Mark. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me on again. And I also uh, I will be demanding some special thanks at the end of the show as <laughs> okay. well. You're welcome. <laughs> And your game day weekend starts right here on Talk Sport. Oh, and here's Tammy Abraham inside the box. Dreadful mistake! It's 2-0! It's on halfway for Mane, spinning and running into opposition territory. Edge of the area is Alexander-Arnold! Oh, he's rushed it home. Absolutely lashed it across the floor into the corner. A pinpoint finish from a terrific young player. Mark, who is your hero of the, of the season? Uh, well, my hero of the season, Danny, this... It is very broad, this, and it might sound a bit sentimental, but we criticise people in football all the time. We criticise the players, the managers, the coaches, the fans, other pundits, everyone. But we reserve special criticism most of the time for the powers that be, Mm. whether it be the FA, the Premier League, whoever it is. So it's only fair that when someone does something good, does something well, we should praise them as well. And I think that the Premier League has done a fantastic job with Project Restart, I think, okay, maybe they locked down and and halted the season a touch too late. Maybe they shouldn't have waited for someone of the profile of Mikhail Arteta (laughs) to get the virus. But this lockdown's been very difficult for a lot of people, whether you just be in your house, bored, nothing to do. Mm. Whether it be my situation, which is I lost all my work, had nothing to look forward to. It was a tough time, no money from the government. Bringing back the football, I think, really did lift people's spirits. Mine particularly. This isn't about me, though, Danny. is isn't about me, Tom. Yeah. It's about the people. And the way they brought it back, they brought it back safely, they brought it back responsibly, 
And generally speaking, I think the product itself was fantastic, save for a couple of games where it looked like people weren't really that bothered. I thought they did a great job. I think most of the games were played to the sort of intensity you'd expect. Most, not all. Yeah. Um, and given the amount of just noise around the game, obviously not in the games, there was no fans, but given the amount of noise around it, I thought the players and the 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 product of the Premier League really came across well, and I thought it helped a lot of people out and gives you something to think about and focus on that isn't just, oh, God, lockdown's still happening. <laughs> so I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought the addition of the crowd noise, I know Tom's not a fan of that. I okay, you just a... lost the argument right there. You were doing <laughs> yes, so well. You were doing so well, because it he, is he fantastic. Was do, he was doing okay, Tom. I know, okay. yeah, that's true. Come on, it was great let's stuff. Not, let's not give him too much for this. Like, I, I'm... I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't disagree more in many ways. <laughs> I think, I, think I, I have, I mean, we'll get on to Billen. Um, of the season when I, when I talk about it I just have not enjoyed I've enjoyed the efforts of my colleagues on radio not so much on television um, mm. to make something for me and I, I totally get it Mark mm. that you needed something uh, to raise your spirits the one people who did come out of this in their mind fantastically well of course are the players um, in the Premier League because in every other country the players had to take either a deferral or an actual pay cut think of that yeah. actual pay cut you, you took a 100% pay cut some, in every other country, they, they found a way to do that. In this country, they found a way to get out of that. Thus leaving, um, they meant they had to come back. You know, the football clubs in the Premier League had to come back because they had to pay the players. The only way to do that is to get the TV contract back on track. Mm. Um, it, oh, look, I, I understand that the reasons for it coming back as quickly as it did weren't necessarily... Uh, wholesome, family-friendly reasons. It was, you know, something much more... Sweet cash. Hard, sweet Everyone was going candy. bankrupt unless we could get Burnley Brighton back on. But I'm simply saying that from a personal point of view, and one that I think is echoed with millions of people across the country, they brought it back at the right time, and I think they did a good job of it. Mm. Um, I, you're, you're free, no, I'm, as I'm, is your want to disagree. You are right. It was great they got the games back on. And I think a lot of us were worried about what we were going to do and whether it could come back. And there's a point... You know, when you get to October, November, maybe this year, if there was no football. I think we'd all been worried about redundancy yeah, because we've not done anything for half a year. So yeah. that was an actual concern. So the fact they got these games back on and they all realised without the games being on TV, you know, we're all buggered. You know, there's a reason the Bamiyang has seven Lamborghinis. It's not because, <laughs> uh, you know, they get fans inside the stadium. It's because people watch it in Azerbaijan. You That's could, the reason. You could play it behind could closed I just doors ask all as the time. Well, sorry yeah. to jump in. Could I just ask as well, and we'll end this, this bit of the section here but, um, because in no way can you know the answer. Mm. Um, and on the back of the no pay cuts, no deferrals, the Premier League players set up their National Health Service support um, fund, whatever it was called. Players Unite, um, I want to say. That was right. How much has it raised? Millions. Millions really? of pounds. Yeah, loads of money. Eight hundred okay. pounds. It was um, it was a percentage of their wages that went into a communal fund, which was then distributed. Millions has been raised, Dane. They did a great job. Well, if that if that's if that if that is right. Um, and I've no reason to believe that it is, then congratulations to them all. Yeah. Um, why don't we move on to your um, hero of the of the season then, Mark? Uh, sorry, Tom. Yeah, that was Mark's. It, it's not going to win, yeah. so we're not going to remember no, who did it. But it was, it, it, I have a feeling it might win. And you said uh, crowd noise as well, which already means you've lost this, because that was <laughs> it, atrocious, it, truly it, awful. It, it no, definitely no. is going to be ahead of mine, I suspect. But okay. what, maybe Tom can bring some sense to this section of the show. Well, I was um, thinking about what I was going to do for Hero of the Season on my way in this morning, and I read an article in a newspaper which was about why Jude Bellingham has gone to Birmingham, uh, left Birmingham and gone to Borussia Dortmund. And it was that old cliche, uh, and it was in a quite reputable paper, so I expected better. 
better. Uh, you just don't get the opportunity as a young British player to play at the very top level. And that's why Bellingham has gone to Dortmund from Birmingham. I'm thinking about it and I thought, actually... That may have been true 10 years ago, potentially, because, you know, we were bringing in nonsense players from Alaves and the second goalkeeper from Mainz to be the number two at Sunderland and this kind of stuff. Um, you know, maybe it's a positive of Brexit. Who knows? There was always going to be a positive at some point, you know. Yeah. In Flanders fields, the poppies grew. You know, we can't now bring in the second goalkeeper from Alaves, who, by the way, was Roberto. We'll get to that. Um, but what has happened this year in the Premier League is that I was going through the teams... And so many of them not only have given young talent a bit of a chance, you know, five minutes for Danny Williamson at the end of the, a 4 0 win against Newcastle, that kind of nonsense. I'm going through the teams, and all their star players, or amongst the grouping of star players, is a young British or club reared talent. And right. you start with Trent Alexander Arnold, who for me was the player of the year at Liverpool. Um, I think he was so, so crucial. In that role, reinventing what right back is, setting up a load of goals, brilliant defensively, brilliant offensively. And I know I've mentioned this to this show before. I love it when a player plays for a team who's got the right accent. I love that Mark Noble sounds like me and I love that Trent Alexander-Arnold's a scouser and I know they love it as well. It's not to say you can't love an Italian, you know, Di Canio. I love the guy. He wasn't born anywhere near the Bow Bells, but, you know, it's something special. You've got Marcus Rashford, obviously, at Manchester United, plus a few yeah. other players we could list in that group. Brandon Williams and a few others. Um, Phil Foden has had some great moments at Manchester City. Chelsea, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham. Tottenham, Harry Winks, Jaffet Tanganga. Southampton, James Ward-Prowse. Everton, Jared Branthwaite, Anthony Gordon. At Newcastle, Longstaff and Longstaff. Uh, oh, West Ham, oh, Rice on, and Johnson. On. I was with you until... Who were those two people at Everton? Um, Jared Branthwaite, who played centre-half in the most recent few games they've had. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Gordon, who played uh, on the uh, wing. Anthony Gordon looks great, by the way. He does look good. Really he looks like a bit like you, actually. Lithe, blonde, yeah. attractive. Fabulous footballer. Yeah, great feet. Beautiful <laughs> buttocks. The, the whole package. Uh -huh. I'm pleased with my Everton kit today. That's yeah, all I can you say. look good in blue. But it's just that there's... I mean, Jack Grealish, another one. You know, he sounds no. right. He looks right. And there's know, been uh, something about... They've all been given a chance. And actually, it turns out, we can actually make good hang players. On, hang on. So is your, is your hero players with the right accents? Um, it was going to be local boys done good, but I think that's better. Yeah. <laughs> players with the right accent, playing for the right Premier League team and being good is well, my and it hero. Is so, it is so okay. weird, isn't it? Premier League clubs, are, they, they, they're set up to be these great, all-seeing, all-knowing edifices dominating our, our popular culture. And yet it takes one player, one player to turn all their minds around. And that player, of course, is Jaden Sancho. Mm. Um, they, they, they let a player slip through and go off to Germany. Jaden does what he does. Suddenly he's worth 80 million quid or whatever it is he's worth these days. And uh, look, some of these players were already getting into their team. Trent Alexander-Arnold would have got into a world eleven when he was 18. He's that good. And I agree with you about him being the best player uh, this season, he would have been my footballer of the year, along with Adama Traore, if I had a, if I had a vote, and I don't. Um, but they, they, suddenly, the, the, the scales fell from the eyes, not just, I suspect, of managers and coaches, but also club owners, mm. who just go to these meetings in a boardroom, and on the shiny mahogany table say, so we've got how many players as good as Jadon Sancho in our reserves, and we're, we're not playing them? Is that, let me just get that right. I'll run this through the computer again. We are not playing them. But I have got this bloke from Alaves <laughs> who I'm paying 47 grand a week to and we're not playing that player who plays for England on 21s. 
And I think Jaden Sancho has had a huge uh, to do with that. Of course, it's the reason why Bellingham's gone the other way. So he's, he's, he's also created a different kind of, of issue. Um, yeah, but I think boy, players, heroes with the right accent is a very, very good one. What are you um, talking about? <laughs> no. You no. were winning yours until you said the crowd noise thing. What's pretending yeah. you blew it? it then. Just pretend you, it's it. out there in the ether now. We can't cut that out. Jeremy can cut it. I we believe can't. in him. My, um, my hero of the season is uh, somebody who's been punished for his heroics. Um, Eric Dyer, right? <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember when there were crowds at football gra- grounds? Um, doing their thing, paying them money, making the noise, actually making the atmosphere. And we'll come on to all that in another section in a little while. Um, I know, just as the, as the Spurs manager said immediately after the event, that when he climbed into the crowd to sort out some kind of altercation between some geezers and his brother, he did wrong. He broke the rules. Um, he didn't uh, He didn't do things that were, that were acceptable for footballers. Mm. And yet every single one of us knows that as a human being, if you were to see your loved ones under any kind of threat, even if you were wearing the most useless footwear in the world for going up a concrete set of stairs, i.e. modern football boots, you would try and do something about it. The truth of the matter is, what really made me think that Eric was doing the right thing there, is it shone a light once again on what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in football grounds. Now, I don't know what was going on among those, but I do know that I have come over the years, and maybe this just might be a, a sign of encroaching old age, I have come to hate the way football fans think it's okay to say whatever you like mm. to anybody, players, referees, managers, and other fans inside a football ground. Of course you've got to be partisan. Of course you've got to be, to use the overused cliche, passionate. But why does it have to be personal abuse? Um, I don't get it anymore. And I remember, and I've got to be careful, I'm not even going to say this, even though this is a podcast. Um, I remember taking some American friends to a Spurs-Arsenal derby at the old White Hart Lane. And the stuff that was being chanted about Arsene Wenger, right? One of the Americans turned to me and said, so this bloke is a bleep. And I thought, that is the most heinous thing you can say about a person. I said, no, no, they're just saying it. And I wonder whether it won't make any difference. Eric climbing into the stand is now just an example of footballers gone mad. Yeah, I get that. Um, but for me, it was an act of family love and also an illustration that uh, it isn't just, you can't just do what you like and behave how you like in a football ground. That includes Eric, who's been punished for it. And that's why he's my hero of the season. To, I imagine, universal non-acclaim. <laughs> I do kind of like it, actually. I'm into it. Eric Dyer yeah. should win it because he did what we all think they should all be doing. It's the 30-second hockey square up. Well, <laughs> if, if you're prepared to turn that into your actual vote, then we have an amazing situation here on the Record Book Podcast where the hero of the 2019-2020 season, which Whatever almost ran into 2021, is Eric Dyer. Picked up on the left by Vrancic and high up into the air, looking for Puki. Chest it down. He's in behind for Tom and he steers it home. Ah, hold on a second. There is a possible offside decision here. Offside. This is a statement from Arsenal that has recently been released saying that their manager Mikel Arteta has tested positive for coronavirus. The Premier League has suspended all football until at least April the 4th. Let's let's do villain then and in in many ways Mark this is the the opposite of, of yours. 
I mean, obviously, I don't want this to win because I don't, you know, it's bad enough Eric Dyer's got an award for Not going to the crowd. I don't want. I don't want this to win. But here we go. Yeah, I, I won't no, vote for this. COVID nineteen is obviously. I'm not going to vote for COVID nineteen to win. <laughs> I heard you were pro COVID. <laughs> You've got your COVID nineteen scarf, or, or is half it a and half, half and half scarf? <laughs> COVID nineteen and Project Restart half and half scarf. <laughs> Uh, look, um, the for me the, the the pandemic, of course, has been the thing that's ruined all of our li- years, and, uh, and and of course we, we have endless sympathy with those who either had the disease are still suffering from it because it mm. now turns out it has long term implications as well, and of course those families who've actually lost loved ones from it. But in terms of sport, um, it has done two things. One, uh, and it, maybe this is why this is why it should be hero, not villain. It has shown completely how dependent we are on fans. And how professional sport without spectators is just ludicrous. I mean, football's not even the worst. Uh, obviously, combat sports. I mean, I've watched UFC and I've watched boxing without crowds, and it just it just looks like blokes fighting outside a pub in the car park. The most ludicrous one, of course, I've got it on the TV here in front of me. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. He's getting ready for the Grand Prix, oh. in which a hugely expensive monstrously powered motor vehicles roar around a you know, roughly oval circuit. To what purpose? There's nobody there even to watch it. And even the ones who are watching it are normally only saying, new, 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 new. There's no purpose to it. Um, of course, it's also laid bare or shown the ass off, to use my colleague Simon Jordan's phrase, the finances of football, um, the the, the way in which the organisation of football is so dependent and the financing of it is so dependent on the TV money and less, less, less the fans. So it has simultaneously, the COVID-19, shown how important the fans are to make the spectacle actually work, but how unimportant we are because, of course, mm. it's the TV money that they want, they need, they desire, and they must have. I don't know how it's going to change. I think it's going to change the relationship between... And hang on, this podcast is going serious. I, I think it's going to change the relationship when we come when it all comes back. I wonder how many people, having had the habit of going to football, having had that habit broken, will no longer go, and how many watching games behind closed doors and realizing that with the occasional moment of super skill, the difference between watching Real Madrid and Barcelona and watching teams in the National League is actually the size of the crowd and the atmosphere that they engender. And I, I suspect it will be a very, very good thing for football down the pyramid. And mm. there ends the end of the lesson. Yeah, I, I think that um, fans have, have never been in a more powerful position uh, as they are right now in that we're trying to negotiate them coming back. And I think, you know, Mark failed miserably earlier to say Project Restart was the hero. I think Thank the you. reason Thank is you. that, I mean, I watched every game. I did commentary of 22 of them. And I thought that the, the quality was significantly lower. Uh, and the last 20 minutes of games that were done, it reminded me of watching German games. Because in, in Germany, when the game's over, everyone just sort of yeah, yeah. is not that bothered towards the end. And normally the whistle goes exactly on 90 because even the ref wants to go home. I don't know what the German for downing tool is, but it's all long, one, one long word, I'm sure. Flugenschaffen, yeah. they call it. Um, ah, very yes. good, yeah. Um, we'll double check that. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Can't be right. Um, it sounded really right to me. It did sound right, didn't it? And if it sounds right, good. go with it. That's the world we live in. Um, but I yeah. think fans right now are in a great position. You know, I haven't been a season ticket older for about eight, nine years because um, it's just it's not something I can do anymore. But I remember at the end of my run as a season ticket holder thinking, am I getting value for money here? You know, you get herded in, you get sort of um, searched as you go in and then you stand up and shout and people behind you tell you to sit down. It's 
£8 for a pint, it's £9 for a burger, it's £4 for a tub of popcorn. When you eat your popcorn, the other fans have a go at you for eating popcorn because that's not what people do at football. And you think to yourself, what am I doing here? And you go to away games and, like, you know, you get herded around like you're some kind of terrorist when really you're just a person who spent £90 to come and watch Tottenham away. That is murder, isn't it? And it's just just not a good experience. And I would hope, I desperately hope now, that not only will people go, actually, we've got to try and get fans back in and make it a better experience. Maybe the price will lower. I know that's a pie-in-the-sky thought, but maybe they will. You know, maybe we will we'll start to have a, we need to cajole fans back. You know, that's what happens in other sports, right? They yeah, need absolutely. fans so desperately, they make it a worthwhile experience, whereas we need televisual and radio broadcasters. Well, we, we've, we've spent the last sort of 10, 15 years in this country acknowledging the fact that actually we don't need any fans in the stadium at all. Yeah. And just because you, you can survive as a Premier League football club without fans doesn't mean you should neglect them. And this is the all coming back to survive. The now. sport would not survive in its current form. No. That's right. What, what has become novelty has now become mundanity, and after mundanity comes people not caring. Mm. Um, so that's COVID nineteen as the villain of the season. Mark, what's your villain of the season? Just imagine if COVID doesn't win. This <laughs> category. Well, hang on, Eric Dyer's already won a prize. <laughs> uh, well, my villain. I mean, given that I uh, had the Premier League restart as my hero, I've sort of gone against that in the villain section straight away. So trust nothing. And I that is the say. correct answer. <laughs> yeah, that's because you lost so badly. Well, despite the fact that I, I thought they did a good job of bringing it back, I'm not happy with certain aspects of the restart, Mm. namely the rule changes. Now, I understand why these rule changes were brought in. You know, the word that we've heard a thousand times a day since the start of lockdown is unprecedented. Mm. And that's why the rule changes came in. So it was the drinks break uh, in the half of each half, essentially making the game into an American sport with quarters uh, and the five subs. Now, the drinks break, okay, I understand that. You know, in theory, we're playing in July and August and it's hot in theory. Mm. But in practice, we live in England still, and it's very rarely hot. They surely should only do the drinks break when it's over a certain temperature. Well, You'd it have was thought. like that. And the mad thing is, that makes a lot of sense. If it's over 35 degrees, yeah, fine. Have absolutely have a water. It's too hot. Yeah. There were times when it was raining in London on a Tuesday. You could see their breath. Degrees. You could see their breath. It was cold. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make any sense. That was mad. So that's become that's become quarters, and it's become, a, just a, you know, a, a, a tactical... Which, by the way, in the FA Cup final... Arsenal was game. useless Absolutely. for 20 minutes. Yes. Mikel Arteta said to Kieran Tierney, get this ball in the air, left channel to Aubameyang and we'll score. Yeah. Which was not happening. But it completely changes the momentum of games. And something so hard to get in football is momentum. You may not have that for the entire half, if well, for the entire time you're allowed to be on the pitch. Mm. This completely breaks that up. But the one I really don't like is the, the five subs. I mean, granted, they can only do it in three different... Uh, time slots, they can do it in three different substitute slots, but it's five subs, and that really, I think, puts teams in the bottom half, maybe bottom 12, 14 of the Premier League, on the back foot. Mm. They just can't compete with that top six, top eight. It just seems like it's no longer a level playing field. Uh, It looks like they are here to stay for next season as well. Uh, Danny, I know you've been saying for a few weeks now that you imagine that the drinks break will probably stay as well. I I just think it's it's just changing football as we know it, and for no real reason other than are, are they assuming that there won't be as many fans, and therefore they need more time to no, advertise? No, no, no. My guess is that they, they've worked out that um, now that they've become a tactical thing as well, uh, you know, you don't, want to, you don't want to see people just slobbering water down themselves or um, Frank Lampard, you know, pounding his own fist into his, into his other hand. I've got to be careful what I said there. Um, <laughs> but it's an opportunity for a, for a minute and a half advertising break, isn't yeah. it? I mean, that's what it'll be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, 
the BBC, of course, for the few games they have, will still be forced to show um, people drinking, desultory drinking water. No, but they'll be pushing like the one show and Luther and whatever else is on this week. Catch up with our next Dickensian drama. Makes me laugh as well, the BBC. The amount of advertising they do, they say there's no adverts on the BBC. Yes, there are. There's endless adverts for for their own products. Um, All right, Mark, I think think those rule changes are... um, Controversial to say the least. They're worse than the virus, Tom, Danny. It's as simple Tom, as that. Tom, your your villain of the season is also uh, again stuff that's come come nothing to do with the virus in this case. No. Um, the 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 dreaded VAR, etc. Yeah, I mean, if we'd have recorded this program in March, start no, of sorry, March, was that this year. Yes, that was this season. Weirdly, wow. um, okay. this this would have been the villain. Like this would have won this if we'd have recorded this pre-COVID. It isn't going to win now because obviously COVID happened. But it is worth mentioning that VAR did ruin the season and it made so much of this season, to me, feel illegitimate. Um, And some of the reasons are because VAR was done so badly and the people involved were incompetent, all that sort of stuff, and the not going to the monitor, blah, blah, blah. But Mm -hmm. that isn't what I want to pick out. What I want to pick out is this handball rule, right? And I've been going through this in the last few days and some some of the things that happened this season had a massive impact on everyone involved. Now... There was the one where uh, there was a game between Burnley and Bournemouth. And Bournemouth took the lead in that game, scored a great breakaway goal. Then suddenly we stopped the game because there'd been a handball, which actually came off the shoulder about 60 seconds to 90 seconds before uh, the goal was scored. They went back for a Burnley penalty, which was scored. It became, I think, 2-0 instead of 1-1. Changed everything about the game. It hit him on the shoulder. We could go to Deccan Rice. The ball hitting him on the hand. And then they ran up the field, West Ham, and scored a late equaliser against Sheffield United. West Ham wouldn't have been in relegation bother if they'd got another point at that game. Which may well have then saved Watford. Because they'd have played a West Ham team with nothing to play for, as opposed to... Are one you working to up to relegating Spurs here? You are, aren't you? They're all safe for now, and Spurs <laughs> but you look will go at, down. You look at Tottenham Hotspur, the, the one where it hit Lucas Moura on oh the back. God. Oh, my God. hit him on the back God. of the arm, on the floor, not looking, and that may well have cost Tottenham a Champions League place, because they then yeah. lost all impetus again, for their momentum, season. Right? right? Over and over again, we see this, and they're going to change it for next year, right? There's going to be a slight change to this rule, where you're now not going to be impeded for a handball in the build-up. They've slightly tweaked the language now, and so they've recognised how useless this rule is. And so it's not going to be, it hits the hand at any point in the build-up, there's going to be a um, a free kick. It's going to be directly leading to the goal. But even that could be open to interpretation, what directly is leading to it. The whole thing is such a mess, and it isn't just the handball rule in general, it's the fact that I feel like all season long, every game... They've been looking for ways to disallow goals. And that's Hideous. the antithesis Hideous. of what right, this is. Um, you know, I, I, I always bring you West Ham examples, but they're the ones that spring to mind. You know, the one sure. where Thomas Suchek scores that goal against Chelsea and they watch for six or seven minutes. Oh. Did Was Antonio in Kepa's eye line? If you can't decide that instantly... Absolutely. Then he's not. Then he's not. You go with the, the referee's decision on the field. Everything about it is wrong. And it, for me, VAR has relegated Bournemouth. Hello, ghost goal at Villa Park, plus the one I mentioned oh, earlier. I was going to say, I mean, you make a, per- a perfectly good point there. In all the controversies about handball, the only time we could definitely say that player has got the ball in both <laughs> hands was when Oya Nyland was a foot and a half <laughs> over the line with it in the Aston Villa Sheffield United game. Behind the post, leaning Behind into the, the post. He's in the net. 
He's in the he net was with in the an ball. adjacent postal district. Uh, they, they was just ludicrous. And his shoulders are dropped because he knows. Everyone knows. His body language is, oh, I've just conceded a goal. That was bad. And and just the whole season Tyrone, Tyrone Mings's face because he didn't <laughs> because he hadn't made more of an effort to get the ball out of the very back of the net. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely telling. Um, I mean, I look. And there's so much of this. Like, I could do the whole show on the amount of times they looked for ways to disallow goals. The toe in the offside game between Tottenham and Sheffield United. You know, the hours we watched that one. I just, the whole thing, the whole ethos of that needs to change. And uh, that should be the villain. Uh, But of course, we're recording in August and not in March. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I will, I will, I will stand down from the vote here just now. Uh, I, mean, I, I personally think that the trying to disallow goals, uh, I would vote for that. That'll leave you two oh. to make your own minds up. Then, because of the spirit of the game, the the COVID has happened to the whole of society, and so its ongoing um, disaster in in football itself mm. is matched by what's going on to ordinary people in yeah. other walks of life. The business with trying to disallow goals is an entirely self-inflicted wound on football. So I, I actually, I'll, I'll forgive you two if, if we if we dismiss the COVID. I'm going for looking to disallow goals. Yeah, and I agree actually. But there you have it. Only on Danny Kelly's record book podcast, I'll name the guilty people with Tom Rennie and Mark Smith. Could the season 1920 villain of the season is not the actual virus, but the. <laughs> authorities looking for ways, the officials looking for ways to disallow our precious goals. And you know what? I think that's right. And matches Eric Dyer as an incredible outcome (laughs) to the season. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Bruno Fernandes, the missing part of the jigsaw. Nine goals and eight assists in his last 19 appearances. Hasn't missed a top-flight penalty for four years. Steps up, little shuffle, right-footed, into the corner. And it's a goal for Manchester United. It's a crossing from Bulldog. The heads go up. Oliver McBurney equalises for Sheffield United. 
Into the second half now of the uh, last of this season's editions of Danny Kelly's Record Book Podcast. You can get it, of course, uh, through all the usual agencies and via the Game Day Network. Um, we come now uh, as our continuing review of the 2019-2020 season, the most extraordinary football season ever. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, the very fact that it seems to have lasted for about eight and a half years is enough of a reflection of that. Tom Rennie and Mark Smith are with me, and we're on now to our best performance. This could be a player... Uh, a team. I was going to say a crowd there. There's no crowds. Um, we'll see what people think. Tom Rennie will go first. Well, who's your best performance of the season? Uh, my best performance, I was, there's so many great things about this season. But for me, I think Sheffield United in general Brilliant. Uh, and Chris Wilder personally uh, have got to have a collective best performance of this season because there's no one uh, at Talk Sport, there's no one at any network I work at that didn't think Sheffield United were getting relegated. There's no bloke I spoke to in the pub. There's no family member over dinner that didn't say back in 17 years ago when this season started that Sheffield United were going to stay up. Your new baby even said it. Yeah, Penny knew. She first knew word. day one. She came out and said, the blade's down yet. It was weird, the first thing she <laughs> That's said. That's one of the highlights of the season, your baby. Congratulations again to you and her. You haven't got to live with her. Um, but listen, <laughs> Chris Wilder, right? I'm just running through his career as a, as a manager. So it's Alfreton Town, Halifax Town, Oxford United, Northampton Town. Then he takes over from Nigel Adkins at uh, Sheffield United in 2016. Now, they got themselves relegated a few years ago, Sheffield United. It wasn't Carlos Tevez's fault. It was the fact they lost at home to Wigan uh, and David Unsworth scored a penalty. And they've been bitter about it ever since. And it makes me want to hate them, which makes it even more staggering to me that... I do have so much respect for what they've done. Not only have they won hearts and minds this season, you know, they scored three against Chelsea. They scored three against Man United, came from behind to win that, uh, to, to draw that game when they should have been beaten. They played incredible football. They don't they just pump Tottenham. it down the lines. They mullered Tottenham, which is just excellent for everybody involved. Yeah. And some of the players, <laughs> Didzy, Didzy, David McGoldrick, he looks like a builder that just walked into Bramall Lane and somehow picked up a shirt. He, he's not even con- he's less convincing than Sean Bean when Saturday comes. Like, there's no <laughs> possible way he should be a Premier League footballer. But he's he been- and McBurney, who's every bit as unlikely, yeah. are a brilliant strike force. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. Ollie McBurney this season has been having a public <laughs> Twitter exchange with an actual porn star. And yet still, he's been a Premier League player scoring goals in this top division. Scoring great goals. John Egan has failed at this level. He was useless when he was in the Premier League last time out. This time out, he's been one of the best players in the league. I, I, would, make a point. I would make my point as well on behalf of myself and our producer, Jeremy, um, that the squad is absolutely marbled with players from the Republic of Ireland. Just thought I'd say that. Yeah, that's true. That's why we all <laughs> yeah. thought they'd get relegated immediately. <laughs> Ollie Norwood has turned into, like, Michael Carrick all of a sudden. And they've done all this, by the way, with, with universal acclaim from some of the best managers in Europe. I mean, Pep, Klopp, they've all raved about Wilder. Yeah. And, and I just love the fact as well, he talks like, what was the one a couple of weeks ago when he was just talking about what it was like with his mates down the pub? And he's yes. just, he's just, he just feels like one of us. And we're in an age now... Um, where to talk about football, it feels like you need to have a university degree and you've always got to have your calculator out and talk about expected goals and all that crap that doesn't matter. And what I like about people is that when they talk about football, like people talk about it, but uh, also are also quite intelligent. It's not about percentages and it's not about, you know, how many saves you made with your right hand on a Thursday and how many times a team have won on a Monday. It's about what he could see in players. Statistically, every single one of those players should be playing in League One. But he knew how to get something magical out of them. And my only disappointment is the season for them, if it went to the usual run in front of fans and finished in May, 
I think they'd have made the Europa League, yeah, yeah. if not higher. The, the lockdown, yeah. it, it messed with them, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I agree. The, the, the lockdown seemed to favour the more technical sides. Yeah, and, and, it did. Um, and the teams that were about um, spirit and physicality and connecting with the crowd and feeding off the crowd um, did worse. Mark, who's your performance of the season? Uh, my best performance of the season is... Uh, I mean, I don't think we can argue too much about this in terms of individual displays since he's come in, but Bruno Fernandes. Um, I mean, of course, Liverpool have been fantastic this season, but there's been nobody who's come into this league and... Uh, rejuvenated a side and a squad and a whole club and a city like Bruno Fernandes has. He came in off the back of a, uh, a loss at home to Burnley for United. And mm. if you remember at the time, this feels like a long time ago now, but at the time, people were calling for Solskjaer's head. Didn't they were... Simon Jordan have something to say about that for oh, about yeah, nine straight hours? Yeah, yeah, non-stop. <laughs> He's still saying it, to be fair. <laughs> he is. And but... if you... Uh... If you're, if you're listening at the weekend, and on Monday as well, when this podcast comes out, you can hear him saying it again on the press path. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. But Bruno Fernandes has come in, and, and he's, he's uh, rejuvenated the side to the extent that they now, all right, they might not be contenders to win anything next season, but they certainly are in the conversation a lot more than they were. They certainly now seem like they could be a staple of the top four with this current squad, a couple more players coming in. Who knows? He's someone who came in and immediately seemed shocked at the fact that the players that were already at the club didn't feel proud to be there, didn't feel like they wanted to put the shirt on. He's someone who's come in and he's not afraid to lose the ball. In fact, he loses the ball a lot of the time, but it's because he's trying to do things. Mm. Like Kevin De Bruyne, he loses the ball a lot as well. And that's why he's one of the best midfielders in the world, because he's happy to lose the ball. He knows what risk versus reward means. Fernandes has come in, he, he looks like a player who could be the talisman for this side for the next three or four or five seasons. He's got something out of Pogba. I think Pogba looks like a better player alongside well, him. Well, I was going to ask you too. I mean, you're not medical men, and you may may all be also be a generational thing. Do you know what a poultice is? Uh, I don't. Isn't that a ghost? No, no, no. no. A poultice um, is something that uh, my mother would apply if you had a boil. Um, you can make a poultice out of um, uh, herbs or leaves, mm-hmm. or in her case, bread, wet bread. You boil bread. And it's Wait, super you boil hot. bread and, and what? Put it on the boil? You put it onto a onto a boil or something that's got some poison in it, and the, the action of cooling causes per, uh, capillary action, and the poison is drawn. Just to stress again, we are not medical men. No, quite. <laughs> Bruno Fernandes is a human poultice, because while Paul Pogba's ghost was allowed to, to fester... And poison that club. So it was a ghost. I was right the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, that he is the best player, and all the rest of it. And they've got they've got to play like him, and they've got to be be, the team's got to be built around him. As long as that nonsense was allowed to swirl around the club, um, there was no hope for Manchester United. Fernandez went in there. You're absolutely right. His enthusiasm for the project. Um, allowed the younger players, and I include even old veteran, old heads like Anthony Martial among that. But the but the the Greenwoods, um, and of course, you know, we we all know who we're talking about here, and Brandon mm. Williams and all the rest of them. Marcus Rashford, they were allowed to be proud of that Manchester United shirt again because the poison of Paul Pogba had been drawn. And Bruno Fernandes is the human poultice, and he did very, very well. You can look it up. I think it's P-O-U-L-T-I-C-E. No, it's P-O-G-B-A. I've just checked it. <laughs> ah, very good. Very I, do, good I, I think it's a bit unfair to just go in on Pogba that much, purely because he didn't really play much this season. Yeah. He wasn't on the pitch. But we talked about him a lot. Very quickly, my best performance, it's, it's actually um, it's related to Chris Wilder. Um, and I know that... T- Tina Tom, Wilder, is, the wife, lovely. This is a tightrope. This is a tightrope we're walking here 
because we like the fact that Wilder is one of us, as you said, man of the people, speaks like a bloke down the pub and all the rest of it. But I actually think we're getting to the end of British managers um, laying the law down and all the rest of it. We may already have gone past it. My best performance has been brainy managers. Football has changed so much in the last few years, um, partially because of the amount of money the players earn, partially I genuinely think um, because uh, the players have had the best coaches in, in these academies, whether in Spain, Germany, France, Italy, or of course in England, mm. um, from the moment they arrive there at nine years of age. By the time they're getting to 18 years of age and signing those professional contracts, they are A, superb athletes, cosseted for, well, 10 years by that stage, and B, they have been coached within an inch of their lives. There's nothing you can tell these fellas about how to play the game. So the brainy managers are the ones who put together a little gang, who relate to the players in a way. And it's not about age, um, because Marcelo Bielsa is one of those as well. Somehow lets the players, oh, they've got to have a system and all the rest of it, but are smart enough to realise that you can't just stand there on the training ground with your clipboard and some kind of timing device, um, <laughs> shouting the odds and hoping to improve these players. I mean, Klopp, it's obviously a gang. It's his gang, isn't it? I mean, Frank Lampard, and you could argue that he's done no better than, than Sari, actually. He actually um, has done statistically and factually worse. Yeah, that's right. Lower the table, was, didn't win a trophy. Well done, Frank. We're, we're seeing him, though, as a, well, that FA Cup. Well, what about, think about poor old Spurs fans there. I got 50% of what I wanted. One of those teams lost, you know. <laughs> um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a win-win situation. One of them was going to get beat. But, of course, now Spurs start in the Europa League, I think, in about 25 minutes' time. <laughs> As a result of Arsenal's victory, they play Lokomotiv Zivznyag in a one-off game <laughs> somewhere in the Tashkent borders. Um, you've got Arteta at Arsenal, who for all um, that that is a teeth-grindingly difficult job to do, mm. um, has started to show some, to sort them out. And ex exactly what I was saying, intelligence. Gwenduzi has, for 18 months, traded on his passion. He runs around, he's got an engine, he gets stuck into the faces of the opposition, he gets himself sent off, he gets lobbed out of the team by Arteta because that's no good to him. Mm. He needs players who can play with a bit of brain. Mm. Um, and I put Marcelo Bielsa in that class as well. Yeah. I know he's eccentric. I know that people on, the, on this very podcast have said they wouldn't have played for him because he doesn't have a decent suit. But he does have a, a very large brain and knows how to organise groups of young people, yeah. particularly well-paid young people who already know how to play the game. So those are our best performances of the season. Chris Wilder and Sheffield United, perhaps an example of my choice, brainy managers, mm. or Bruno Fernandes, who's come and, if not single-handedly, certainly very importantly, has transformed Manchester United into something at least recognisably like a top football club. Tom, do you want to stick with Chris Wilder? Uh, I, I would like to stick with Chris Wilder, uh, but I do think it also bleeds into yours. So, Brainy Manders and Chris Wilder. I would say everyone's won apart from Mark, basically, in this round. Tough week this week. <laughs> Mark, are you still sticking with Bruno Fernandes? Yes, I am, actually, just to spite you, too. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, well I'm going to... In, in, because, it, because it's the last uh, one of this uh, season, and because I have the big microphone, I'm giving that jointly to me and Tom <laughs> um, for recognising that there are smart managers out there finding ways to do... that. One of the, I mean, let's be fair, it's an incredibly difficult job, um, as I think uh, the look on uh, Eddie Howe's face over yeah. the past two weeks uh, may have demonstrated. <laughs>
And some breaking news to bring you from the EFL. Obviously, everybody is concerned about the predicament of Berry Football Club. Uh, the EFL have given Berry until five o'clock on Tuesday to complete a sale that would prevent them from being expelled from the league. Played in though by Ali to Son. More danger. Son strikes it and Tottenham lead. Smashed a left footed shot right through the goalkeeper Roberto. Hit with power. But I think the goalkeeper will have some questions to answer. The worst performance of the season. Um, I'm really looking forward to your two because I love them right now and I have uh, advanced not knowledge of them. And I don't want my broad brush that I'm pulling out here to, um, to to overtake things like the COVID did. But of course, thanks to your smarts, you two, COVID-19 didn't win the villain of the season. My worst performance, and it is really a broad brush, brush is football administrators. I mean, they have their hands on the levers of power of the most important, widely watched, financially successful, culturally critical game that the world has ever seen. And what are they? A group of numpties. Not all, but the vast majority. I'm going to give you three examples, then I'll stop. You've got the English Football League. Under new management, Rick Parry, a bloke I'm told is a tremendously talented administrator, We've seen Berry and Bolton taken in one case to the actual abyss, in the other case to the edge of the abyss, with, with nothing being done from the EFL. In the end of the season, they let the championship, that most wonderful of leagues, go into its last round of games with nobody knowing what they needed to avoid relegation because of the situations surrounding Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday and <clears throat> Derby County. Um, that's the EFL. Um, then you've got UEFA. Manchester City, you will have your views about whether or whether or not they broke the rules. Um, it's clear to most that something went on there, but you cannot then be accusing them, investigating them, and finding them guilty unless your case is watertight, particularly against a group of people, the owners of Manchester City, who know that they can paralyse UEFA mm. with legal costs for as long as it takes if they haven't got a completely watertight case. The idiots, the dimwits, the dolts. How do they ever think of taking that, of punishing Manchester City if they couldn't prove it? And then at the very top of the tree, like a glittering Christmas fairy, Gianni Infantino, the man brought in with much fanfare and loud peals of trumpets to clean up FIFA, where 24 of the 24 people who've been involved in big decisions are now either sacked discredited or wearing orange jumpsuits in state penitentiaries, Gianni Infantino ends this season under investigation himself by the Swiss authorities. Now, these are the same Swiss authorities who will turn a blind eye to almost any financial irregularity <laughs> as long as it keeps the Swiss economy healthy. And they've had to say, ah, oh, Gianni, you see that collar you're wearing? We need a feel of that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The English Football League, UEFA, FIFA, same as it ever was. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Dude, that was so good and so convincing. I almost don't want to do much. No, I was just thinking that. I was looking at my choice thinking, what am I doing? Yeah, I've got something really small and personal. And you've gone for a selection of conglomerated villains. You've taken them down in one fell swoop. Oh, man. Who is, your, who is your worst performer of the year, Tom? My worst performance of the season. I, I honestly I never thought I'd see a performance as bad as this from an individual over a period of games. Roberto. 
right? <laughs> now, I know I bring him up a lot, but I'm still yeah. flabbergasted that this person has a professional career as a footballer. Now, bit of reference to Roberto. West Ham, when he came in, were actually in the top four. They had a brilliant start to this season. They beat Manchester United. Manuel Pellegrini was being being talked about as the greatest manager in West Ham history. We're going to win the Champions League. We're going to finally fulfil the promise of London Stadium. And then Fabianski, oh, he's thigh at, at Bournemouth. And we thought, oh, well, it's going to be an issue. But don't worry. Uh, Pellegrini's a big fan of this goalkeeper, Roberto. He's even been at Atletico Madrid during his career. So he's probably going to do fine. Um, he's probably as good as Oblak. Yes, he's got to be. I mean, he's actually been linked right now as we speak with a move to Atletico to be their number two again. Uh, Oxford... He went to Oxford and he conceded four goals. West Ham got knocked out of the League Cup. And we all thought, well, this is quite concerning, isn't it, actually? Um, he doesn't seem that great. Um, in the game against Burnley, a cross came in, a corner. He tried to punch the ball out of his own area, punched it in his own net, yep. literally punched the ball into his own net. Big that was a belter. Another yep. goal in that game, he tried to pass the ball to Balbuena, passed it straight to Dwight McNeil, and Burnley scored another goal. Mm. Uh, there was a game against Newcastle United where he conceded three goals in the opening half. Most of them were just crosses. And he, he, every time someone crosses the ball in, he looks like someone who's never seen a cross before in his life. It's a brand new adventure. He's never seen cross. it. Like, his entire job is catching crosses. He then went to Alaves after this disaster run. First game for Alaves against Espanyol. A cross came in from the left-hand side, and he jumped past the player who then scored because he couldn't understand how to catch a cross. Uh, I mean, I, I've got so much of this. To such a degree, he was so bad that when David Martin came in, and God bless him, a journeyman League One goalkeeper, he yeah. caught a cross and we all looked at him like he was Manuel Neuer. <laughs> like, Roberto is quite literally, and without any doubt in my mind, the worst person ever to have played football professionally. And it's amazing to me that he not only got a contract to West Ham, he cost Manuel Pellegrini his job. Mm -hmm. He cost West Ham the £15 million uh, it took to get rid of Husillos and Pellegrini, his entire coaching staff. They had to bring in Darren Randolph back from Middlesbrough. To, he had to, they had to cancel the money Middlesbrough still owed West Ham to bring him back. So desperate were they for anyone who could catch. I mean, in many ways, if we are looking for a cure to the pandemic, there's one thing we do know is Roberto can't catch anything. So test yeah. his blood. He's immune. He is immune to all <laughs> things. Do you think he's worse than uh, George Ware's cousin, Ali Deer? I actually think Ali Deer would be a better goalkeeper yeah. right he now. Only, he, only played, he only played for 20 minutes, Ali Deer. Um, you know, it, Tom's point, I think, is that this fella has a CV. He kept playing. Like, Crazy. He, when Hung Min Son shot the ball directly at him and he jumped out the way in the Tottenham game, which was Mourinho's first game in charge. Uh, I've, got, I've got so many. There was just so yeah. many moments in like nine games that I will never forget. He was yet, truly Tom, abysmal. But isn't that something to be Such is the magic of? of this podcast and the magic of professional football that I don't think, not only he's not the worst performance, I don't think he's been the worst goalkeeper <laughs> in the Premier League this season. Over to you, Mark. Well, I feel really bad now because <laughs> Tom has dismantled Roberto there. Look, my pick is Jordan Pickford for yeah. loser of the uh, season. I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as Roberto. Of so course, that, of course he's not. No, but he's a big loser in terms of what I think he stands to lose as a result of this Expectation is all is what we're talking about here, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. He's he's had a tough time since the World Cup. The World Cup, by the way, I thought he was pretty good. Oh, amazing. He wasn't fantastic, no, he, but I thought he was pretty good. penalty saves in the Columbia game. He's Absolutely. a legend. Some great shot stopping. I'm not sure I necessarily trust him on crosses or, or as an organiser necessarily, but... 
had a good tournament since then and this season in particular I think his standards have really really dropped off and the reason why he's a big loser is that he stands to lose first of all his England starting role mm. now things have sort of conspired against him a little bit because obviously with the Euros being cancelled I don't think Southgate would have dropped him had the Euros been this summer I think he was unlikely to want to uh, blood a new goalkeeper whether that be uh, Pope or uh, Henderson. I think mm. wouldn't have done that this summer. But with an extra year now, I think Hend- uh, I think Pickford's chances of being the number one have really, really dropped off a cliff. I hear Roberto's getting a British passport. <laughs> I hope so. Um, but, I mean, the players I mentioned now, I mean, he- he's been unlucky this season because Nick Pope has looked like an absolute world beater. Mm. Very uh, good. Dean Henderson at Sheffield United, but obviously a Manchester United player, looks like it could be something reasonably special over the next couple of seasons. Uh, so the pressure's been on him, really, from the start of the season. And he has buckled under that yeah. pressure. The He's... the statistics uh, I saw somewhere on that uh, font of all truth, Twitter, um, against expectation, the two poorest performing goalkeepers in the Premier League this season have been world record fee Kepper at Chelsea mm. wow. and England number one, Jordan Pickford. Yeah. Um, ironically, from my own point of view, uh, best against expectation has been the Spurs goalkeeper mm. and captain Ugo Loris, mm. who, of course, as soon as Mourinho got there, reminded us that he's a really, really fantastic goalkeeper yeah. when he's not required to dribble the ball around in his six-yard area, um, which <laughs> it, it tends to induce a kind of nervous paralysis in a man. Yeah, and I feel um, that same way about about um, about Pickford. I mean, he's someone. He's got that awful combination of being not that great with the ball at his feet but being very confident in his ability with the ball yeah. at his feet. He's, he actually has one of the longest goal kicks in the league. Yeah. Like, he probably gives it a right or wallop, so he'd be great at a team that gives it a wallop. Use it. But, but it's not going to work for Carlo Ancelotti, no, is he? No, it's not. And his individual mistakes have, Gate, have, been, have been increasing sort of month on month. He is in a team that's finished very, very poorly with Everton, which now there's a, certainly a short break this summer before the football comes back, but it gives Southgate more opportunity to look at it and reflect yeah. on it. It's not a good way to go into the off-season. I just think it's been really poor from him this season. And, and on just, top just of like, all of this, he's also yeah. got that very annoying thing of he'll make a terrible mistake just and laugh. then laugh about oh. it. And I know it's probably no. a nervous tick. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it's it like just people that. people laugh at funerals and things. Of course, they, yeah. it's just that. But it, the optics on that are terrible. Yeah. It looks awful. And just just a thought there, you know, we've had a, a, a England have been given an extra year to prepare, and I think with the quality of the young players coming through, it is an extra year to prepare rather than to come off a peak um, for the next Euros. But Gareth Southgate does have to look at the fact that um, of his established team, if he's going to play out from the back, he's got a goalkeeper in Jordan Pickford who's not happy doing that, and Harry Maguire is not the best with the ball at his feet either. Good man for battling for the ball and all the rest mm. of it. If England are really going to play out from the back, they're going to have to change the personnel. Listen, those are your worst performances of the season. Uh, Roberto said with passion, gusto, and let's be honest, regularly here on the podcast <laughs> by Tom. Um, He's on it more than I, I am, Roberto. I really, I really in. want you two to meet now in some kind of um, professional uh, moment, like when I had to do uh, my sporting life with Sol Campbell. Oh, dear. And, uh, and let's see uh, how it comes from that. Oh, I want, uh, for... I've got to tell you this briefly. Uh, this season, we were with Matt Jarvis for the first time. I, had, I did a show a couple of years ago where I ripped Matt Jarvis apart as the worst signing in West Ham's Premier League history. And I met him and I thought, well, he's a lovely man. I hope he never oh, hears no. this. Oh, yeah. No. And of course, now you can say to him, oh, Matt, nice to meet you. Of course, you're no Roberto. <laughs> he's, he's no longer the worst uh, Roberto signing has in saved West our friendship. History. Yeah. So it's Jordan Pickford, it's Roberto, or it's the administrators who, when, you know, 
when the COVID-19 crisis put them to the test, just carried on doing the same old sloppy stuff they've always done. Oh, this, uh, Mark, you haven't a chance to go first in these judgings. Um, look, the goalkeepers are both fun to talk about yeah. and probably good shouts, but I think you're right with this, Danny. I think they've... Um, They've essentially gutted a number of towns and their football clubs, and it's, it's it's been a disgrace. I mean, we don't know what's going on. I'm a Derby County supporter. I don't know where we stand. I've got no idea. Should be relegated, you lot. Well, we 12 points wouldn't do it still. Yeah, you should get more than that. Oh, right. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where Wednesday. we stand. Sheffield Wednesday oh, is going to happen next season. What, what, what a joke. We don't know where... All we need is some clarity. I don't mean as a Derby County fan. I mean, I mean as a football fan. Yeah. We need some sort of clarity, and that is not what we're getting at all here. Yeah, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm prepared to give Rick Parry a ne- another close season to get this sorted out, um, but I, I'm going to vote for it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The administrators have just just not to cover themselves in glory, unlike this podcast, which over 12 months has evolved from being something that was going to be about picture books and me sticking things into an actual um, tome with Prit, as I believe that glue is called. Yeah, you couldn't be bothered uh, in the end, could you? Is that not happening now? <laughs> no, he hasn't made it. Well, I'm not, no, I don't want to do this. I blame, He's sitting I mean, in his I'm, house I'm, in Ireland, not even doing the book. Do the book, I want to blame. I want to blame my producer in a second. But listen, uh, it's been an absolutely a blast for me to do it. Again, special thanks to you, Tom, for uh, hanging in there when neither of us were earning a bean, but just thought we'd try and keep the old thing alive on a sort of uh, life support machine, if you like. I want to thank you, Mark, for being one of our regulars, along with the other Mark, um, Chris Perry. Um, help me with the other people who have been Parker, regular. Paul David Connolly. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And all, all have done sterling work. Um, but most of all, I want to thank Jeremy Fulham, our producer, who often does this uh, podcast off the back of a full day's work in the hurly-burly of live radio. So thanks, Jeremy, as well. But most of all, and I, I say this with absolutely no side, thank you all, those of you taking the trouble to listen, to download it, to pass it on to your mates. I hope we'll be back next season. And meanwhile, I hope you've enjoyed it very much. God bless you all. Goodbye for now. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.